What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here, and welcome to episode 1135 of Ask Pat 2.0. You're about to listen to a coaching call between myself and an entrepreneur just like you. And today we're speaking with RJ from thewaystowealth.com. And specifically, we're talking about website traffic and website traffic diversification. But you'll notice right away that I actually take the conversation in a little bit of a different direction. Obviously, we do talk about answering RJ's questions about traffic, and he's getting some good traffic right now. And the question being, well, do we double down on that, or do we look for other ways to bring traffic in? Let's talk about it. So, yeah, let's listen in. This is RJ from thewaystowealth.com. RJ, welcome to Ask Pat 2.0. Thanks so much for being here today. No, thank you, Pat, for having me. Looking forward to it. You know, I'm really excited about this because I'm here to help you. But obviously, like I said before we hit record, just thank you so much for allowing us to sort of dive into what it, what it is that you're up to so we can all learn together. So before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? So yeah, thank you. My name, RJ Weiss. Uh, I am uh, background as a certified financial planner. In 2016, uh, started what was, been into blogging for a while, but in 2016, started the Ways to Wealth a personal finance blog, general personal finance blog. And over time, it, it's really happy with, with how it's grown. It's, it's how I make a full-time living now, left the financial services industry and have a, have a great team behind me. And it, it's growing, growing well. So very happy with it. That's awesome. Can you give a, a, a link or a, a way that we can find out more from you based on what you do now? Yeah, definitely. Uh, thewaystowealth.com. And then you could check out the about page of the site and then my, myself as well to learn more. Nice. That's pretty cool. When, if you were to consider like, what's your superpower in the world of finance? Like what, what would you consider that to be? You know, I love writing and, you know, consolidating the best information on a topic and, and putting that into a format that someone is brand new can read uh, and understand and then, you know, use it to make their life better. So it's having, you know, broad array of experience myself in the financial world. It's, it's helped me explain a lot of basic concepts to readers that I find, you know, very helpful. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, we look forward to checking more of that out. But why don't we dive into a little bit about what's on your mind right now? So what's what's been going on? What might you need help with? Yeah, I'm always interested in, you know, diversifying traffic sources and, you know, really in the end, diversifying and putting a more a better foundation for the business itself with, you know, more diversification in traffic sources. And, you know, battling with putting a lot of resources into say, you know, whether it's to start a podcast or put those into YouTube or really double down on what has worked in the past. And, and then specifically for us, uh, it's got a strong search presence. You know, it, it, I do drive paid advertising to the site. And then Pinterest is also uh, organic Pinterest reach is a, a strong traffic generator for us. So is it always wondering whether to double down on those sources, diversify a little, knowing that, you know, resources are limited? Awesome. This is great. Before we dive into diversification of income, uh, excuse me, traffic sources, might I ask if you are also collecting an email list at this time? Definitely am, yes. Definitely are. Okay, well, that's good because that's a way to, no matter where traffic is coming from, no matter what happens to technology or where you know we are getting exposure, if you have an email list, obviously you can do a lot with that and you can take people wherever, uh, no matter what happens. So that's great. That was that was going to be the first thing. It's more of a, almost kind of like an insurance plan, if you will, to build that email list. 
And, and I'm really glad to hear that that's happening. I would recommend definitely on top of traffic building strategies, think about, okay, well, are you also optimizing what happens when the traffic comes to your website after people subscribe? Or are you optimizing how people subscribe to your email list and then what happens after that? Tell me a little bit about the journey about what happens if when I land on your page, how are you getting me to subscribe? And then also what happens after I subscribe? Because if that's not optimized, then we could double the amount of traffic. But if we're not optimizing those conversions as well as what's happening after, well, it could be a big hole in a, in a giant sort of uh, pipeline. Yeah, definitely. And I would say one thing is I, I don't have a great email strategy in place, although the list size is, is grown to a significant amount. So it's, it's over 10,000 subscribers now. And it's I really just send out a email once a week with the latest post and maybe, you know, a little more in, in there. So there's definitely, you know, I've, I, I probably have under monetized or, you know, underdeveloped, I, I should say the email platform and, and haven't done as great job of building that out. And then in turn, I haven't put a lot of resources into, in, into that as well. So it's definitely a, a area in terms of email to, to grow f- for myself. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be important. In many cases, I would say even more important than just increasing traffic. Because let me just ask you, let's say we double the traffic that comes in. What changes for you as a result of that? You know, it's it's been pretty consistent. So one thing I track is the revenue per visitor of the site. And, and that's been pretty consistent as the site has scaled. So um, as I mainly an affiliate model website, and then some advertising as well. So traffic isn't important in itself. But, you know, if, if people just come to the website and, and leave after one time, it really doesn't do any of us any good long term. Right, right. So, okay, this is this is great. So in terms of business model affiliate marketing, is there anything that you have that you own that you could push people to at some point if, say, for example, they subscribe? So I, I have two different email lists. I have a, one is a financial goal setting workbook that I have. And then the other is a course on, you know, how to start blogging and get interested into to building your own website. So two different segments of the email list. I have opt-ins for them, but really after a, a first couple of series of emails that, you know, the automations or the ongoing series of that and the education itself drops off since it's it, neither is like what I necessarily specialize in. Gotcha. Gotcha. If you could like snap your fingers and after people subscribe, they go to a place where you'd want them to go without worrying about the creation of them or how much time or money it might uh, require to invest in that. What, what would be on your wish list of, of eventually where you would want people to go and how you might be able to serve them? So, I mean, from a business mindset, the way I think about it is, you know, creating value for the email list and, and also using it to, to drive revenue. So being, you know, able to say at 30 days, this mu- this is how much a subscriber is worth to me at 90 days. This is how much or because as someone who also drives paid traffic, I can then, you know, work backwards into to figuring out, OK, this is our cost per lead and this is where it's profitable and how much time it is. So having an email that's you know very valuable to the reader that I can measure in terms of ROI would be where I want to go with the email list. Love it. Cool. And then in terms of how close you are to that, like percentage wise, how far do you think you are to that? So I'm about 1% knowing that I have very, very little done. So it's definitely a place I need to focus on. Cool. Uh, and, and this is where I would, in fact, put most of my focus on now because you are already getting traffic. You have numbers that could come in that can help prove a conversion rate one way or another for you so that you can optimize for those experiences so that when more traffic comes in, and I'm not saying 
don't get more traffic. Obviously, more traffic, the better. But it's just another part of this that I want you to think about that we make sure we don't overlook is all. So with that, that, that's enough on that. But hopefully, does that sort of sit well for you? Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, I'm putting in my mind is it brings more experience to the reader. And it's, you know, even if I do grow traffic, the overall site and revenue will grow at a, at a far greater level than, you know, leaving that email list alone. Exactly, exactly. And one great way to get traffic is, in fact, bringing people back who have been there before, right? And so an email list can definitely help you uh, do that. It's a great way to, when you create a new piece of content, get a whole load of people seeing it all at once. It's a great way to increase those signals that ultimately help Google time on site. People already know you, they trust you. They're not gonna leave immediately after they visit that site. If they were to come, for example, from an email list or a social account, and that can help with SEO and more exposure for traffic for new people. Right. So there's new yeah, people definitely. and there's old there's old people coming back. And to build for both is is really key. And oftentimes the ladder building for people who've been there before to come back is often overlooked. And that's kind of where I was trying to get at as sort of traffic diversification strategy number one, if you wanna if you wanna call it that. Tell me your interest in you mentioned podcasting and perhaps other platforms outside of what you do now. What interests you there? What gives you the spark of the excitement to go outside of what's already been working? Yeah, I really, you know, first of all, think from like a, a foundational business standpoint of I don't want to have necessarily all my eggs in one basket. SEO, I've, you know, I've done well in, but I've also taken hits in over time. So that goes up and down. You know, Pinterest is something that's very seasonal as well in the personal finance niche. So it, it spikes earlier on in the year and then kind of goes down. And then, you know, paid ads too is, you know, that spikes at other times of the year. So, you know, hard to do come, you know, quarter four. So just having another good, stable traffic source is something I'm always interested in doing for the site to really build up the foundation, reach new people, and you know, grow overall. Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, that's really smart. I think that if you know there are things, because the reason why I'm asking this is because a lot of times people gravitate toward these new ideas for diversification, and they use diversification as the quote-unquote excuse when they know that they should be doubling down on things that they already have, or they just haven't completed what they said yes to before. Do you feel, and this is just going to come from you, I'm not I'm not judging or, or assuming anything, but could this be a distraction from things that you know you could do more of that maybe you're just more boring or tedious or you're sort of over it? Or is this in fact, yes, we're ready for expanding outward and getting exposure elsewhere? Yeah, I think that's the question that, that I go back to a lot is there's obviously still more to do on Google. That's a never ending game of, of uh, growing your site organically. You know, the systems are in place where, where on the other ends in terms of like Pinterest and, and paid ads. So what frameworks do you think about where it's best to say, okay, it, it is time to diversify. Like what questions should I necessarily be asking myself when it comes to that? Yeah, this is a great question. The, the, the question would be, are there any things that I need to finish that I once started before I sort of unlock that reward of trying something new, if that makes sense? That's number one. Number two, do you have the time and or capacity to add something new? And with whatever you choose, let's say, for example, podcasting, we have to be very honest about, okay, well, how much time might we have to dedicate to that? It may seem exciting up front, but it does take work. It does take 
a lot of effort, especially up front. And a lot of people dive in without realizing that and they don't make any progress. They've wasted a little bit of time. So the time aspect is really important too. The way to combat that would be to, and the way to kind of do both, to have your cake and eat it too, essentially, is to spend, I would, and, and I call this the 20% itch rule. I do this in my life. I do this in my business. And that is I spend 80% of my time doing the things that I know I should be doing, optimizing what I've already done, completing my incompletes, all those sorts of things. But I allow myself 20% of that time to, uh, or the leftover time to experiment, to try something new and to allow myself to have a container to do that where it's not going to go crazy and take up all my time, but it's there. And that time is, is meant for that, where even if it were to fail, at least it was sort of in a container and it didn't take away from anything else. So I know people like Ramit Sethi do this really well and Gary Vaynerchuk, even Google as a company, they offer their employees 20% of their time to experiment and try new things. And I would see how you might be able to, number one, prioritize these new ideas in the constraint of what might you have time to do and then spend 20% of your time or, or some percentage around there to actually do these things and continually focus on that till you get to a point where you're either like, okay, this, this is working or, okay, it's obvious that this is not working or I'm not excited about this anymore. Let's use the 20% for something else later on. How's that tracking for you? Yeah, and that that makes a lot of sense. I feel like I need to do more of that to to experiment and you know have a, a quality run at something to where I can say confidently, you know, this was for me, this wasn't, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like I don't do that enough, whether on certain things. So it's you know I've built up the site now to where with solid SEO game plan in place. It's not like we're doing a lot of stuff there, more more so just executing and a little. Of, I, I like that that 20% rule should be devoted to uh, experimenting. Yeah, and that way it's something that you could look forward to if you were to divide this into like the week, right? Monday to Thursday, you get your stuff done that you know you need to get done. Friday is like your play day. And this is what Ramit does. And he allows himself to try new things or, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's on brand new social media platforms that he really has no business being on, but he does it because he wants to experiment and try it and see if there's anything there. And that's really cool because then you know that you're going to be able to try that and you have that space to do it. But then on the other end, you also know that you're getting stuff done. And what often happens with entrepreneurs and bloggers, especially is we see a new tool or a fun, fancy new thing. And then we just go all in on that. And we kind of forget and left, leave behind what actually was working. And that's just what we're trying to, trying to avoid here. So um, scheduling this out would be the strategy for, hey, this is my time and space to try a new platform. And maybe this is when I podcast. And we can dive into some of those specifics earlier because I think the most important thing now is this, if you do allow for this 20% of time to do something, well, what is the thing? And how do you decide which one is which? So like, t- tell me again, what were those sort of ideas? I think you mentioned podcasts and other things. I would probably put YouTube higher on the list, email marketing higher on the list of things. And, you know, just whether going all in on Instagram uh, or another social media platform rather than just kind of having a presence there. So th- those are the types of, of things that I'm trying to weigh the opportunity cost of yep. in terms of, you know, where exactly to go after. Cause I, I haven't really done, you know, it's Instagram. I have a presence there, but it's not, or in Twitter it's, you know, I'm on there, but I'm not actively putting resources into growing that channel. The nice thing about this is once you make this decision and now we know that we're going to sort of like have this time to focus on something, it becomes like a conscious choice of, okay, this is the one, these other things 
I'll put them in a box for later. But now I can do what's called, I like to call just-in-time learning. That is everything I read about, learn about, watch about is about that thing that I chose to do and focus on and grow. So now this also helps you in terms of productivity, in terms of, well, all this noise out there, let me just find the noise about what I'm choosing to do, like YouTube, for example, and kind of gauging and finding a realistic expectation on how to grow and trying to find goals in and around that. And that that's kind of where I would start. I would, I would almost essentially hypothetically choose each one to focus on for the next two months and just go, okay, what would life be like if I chose YouTube for the next two months to focus on in my 20% of time? How many videos would that be? Do I have the capacity to do that? Does that sound even fun to me? Because sometimes even just experimenting with just, okay, well, what would life be like if I chose this and focus on this? You might quickly go, wow, that's not how I want to live or what I want to do. So let me cross that off the list and then you'll have a more consolidated list. You know, who might you need to learn from? What would be the goals related to that? So if you, for example, started a podcast, what would mean after two months success to you? Does that mean that you have, you know, hundreds of listeners, thousands of listeners? And and realistically, like what would make it a success for you and have you go, okay, this is this is great. Or like the the struggle is trying something new without having a goal. You never know if you're done or not, or you can't gauge whether or not it's worth pivoting or going deeper and further into it or trying something else. So I would just advise, and it, you know, this is a lot to unpack. Obviously, it's going to take a lot of time uh, on your own to reflect on these things, but having some set of, okay, after two to three months, if I focus on this and I give it a chance, where do I want to be after this this much time? What what would mean success there? And if you don't even know what that means, well, then it means having conversations with people who have tried YouTube and diving into the, all those YouTube channels about YouTube on how long things might take, you know, best strategies and, you know, finding other colleagues in your niche who have done it too. And, you know, those kinds of things. So it might take a one or two hour session of planning to sort of nail this down. But the beauty of this is you, you give it a shot and you have this container, you've actually given it a chance versus a lot of people, they're like, okay, I'm going to try all these things. And then of course, none of them have a chance to do, do well for you making that choice to focus on one would be the next step for sure. Great. Yeah. I think, thank you. That makes a lot of sense. Is there, you know, one platform that you would, you know, recommend being on and starting with first, or is it more of an interest-based thing and, and, you know, dependent on skills and abilities and so forth? Yeah. I mean, all the above, it depends on where you know your audience is, where you find there might be some big opportunity. You might find that for the specific niche you're in. There's not a lot of podcasts. Or maybe there's a couple, but there just needs to be more and you know you can do it better. There might be some indicators on YouTube. For example, you find a whole bunch of channels, but they don't talk about things in the same way you do, in which case you can come in with a different position. Audience plus excitement from your end is sort of the answer. Like if you just dreaded getting behind the camera, then it's just not going to work, right? Having a little bit of excitement in there for you as a creator is, is really important too. So if you were to, you know, have me go, okay, just tell me the one that you would choose, Pat. I would either choose podcasting or YouTube after the email list is figured out because that can be automated, right? You can set up autoresponders. That can, that's actually a, a thing that could be finished and completed in terms of, you know, after people subscribe, what happens? What messages do they receive perhaps automatically? What survey questions do I want to ask so that I can get more information? Where might I lead them to? What blog posts do I want to have them check out? What products do I want them to check out? What, you know, 
YouTube video demonstrations about a product that I promote that I want them to check out. And then after that, that's sort of done. And then I can unlock, okay, now let's get more traffic on one of these platforms, either YouTube or podcasting. YouTube, you have the benefit of the algorithm and just millions and millions of people searching. And if you're talking about search-based topics a lot, that would be a great place to go. However, you're competing with millions of other channels as well and all the noise on there uh, versus a podcast. There's not even that we just passed 1 million podcasts in April, April 20th, 2020. And that's not a lot. So there's less competition and you have the ability to really get intimate with your audience too. So although the reach might be less, the relationship that you build with your audience is, is that much more far quicker. Pros and cons. Is there a way where, you know, say you give it a, a two-month run and, and you find out it's just not for you, where would you go after that? As, as someone with, you know, a, a brand that's going to live on after that, you know, I, I don't want it to look like it's a discontinued YouTube channel or, or something like that. So how, how would you, you know, create these little experiments and, and still have, you know, go on afterwards if they don't work? Yeah, I mean, I think the the answer and solution to that would be to have a plan going into it in terms of here's the content I'm going to film or record or, or create. And knowing that, okay, I may not want to continue to do this, at least having the ability to create a final or quote unquote final video or final podcast episode that says something like, hey, for, for right now, I've given you everything that I needed to give you. I um, recommend that if you are watching this video, you check out some of these other videos and here are some other resources that I have on my website that you could check out. But for right now, I am going to be focusing elsewhere. And just being very honest with your audience is really key. That way, there's some closure there. And then of course, you come back to it later, maybe you get it re reignited and then you just remove that video and continue on. And it, you know, so many channels start and stop and start and stop and might need to do that in order to get into a good groove or find their right voicing. But that, that's, that's not a, that's not a huge deal. And there are ways to sort of send people off. Like, let's say you do a podcast and it's a container of, you know, however many episodes within two months, well, afraid a final episode say, Hey, this is the end of this season of podcasts. When the next season is going to come out, I'm not exactly sure. But for right now, I'm going to be delivering value over here. You can find me here on these social channels. And, you know, if I come back in the future, I'll definitely let you know. But make sure to check out the archive. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to be putting content into these spaces for, for right now. And that'll do the job. Like the, the, the thing that you don't want people to do is like come to a dead end and go, well, what happened? And you can avoid that with just an additional piece of content after. That's great. Thank you for that. And kind of saying that it was like an excuse in my mind that wasn't very valid to, to not start something. No, hey, it's okay. And I think that the last point here is like with regards to when you make a decision to try these things, to, to really go all in on them, you know, within that 20% of time that, that you're allowing yourself or whatever percentage you, you are offering to give it a chance, right? And to learn everything you can about it, to fail and make mistakes and, and, and try. And now that you have an audience, you have the ability to not start from scratch anywhere you choose to start, right? You could start a YouTube channel and have viewers on day one, which is great. I would, in fact, see with whatever you choose to do to let let your audience in on what you're doing, even before it happens, to get them excited, to, to allow them to become a part of the process, to even perhaps crowdsource information. Maybe the first couple of podcast episodes include some conversations with some of your audience or at least answering some of their questions to connect where they were on the blog to the new place, wherever they're they're going to listen or watch. 
you have that advantage. And so that's really neat. And so you should be able to start to understand how it will affect your brand and how it could supplement it uh, quite quickly because it's not going to be zero even from day one if you do it right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All great information. Got some mind is uh, running with good thoughts. So thank you. Right. Well, great. I don't want to, I don't want to overwhelm you though. Any, any final questions or thoughts uh, before you finish up or, or you got what you need? No, I, I definitely got what I need. And just to say thank you, I really have been learning from you for a while and really appreciate the time you took. And hopefully this is helpful to others as well. Awesome. Thank you, RJ. Let people know one more time where they can go to check out your stuff. So my name is RJ Weiss and I run the website, thewaystowealth.com. Thanks so much, RJ. We appreciate you and good luck. We'll see you. Thank you, Pat. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that coaching call between myself and RJ. Again, you can find RJ at The Ways. That's The Ways, plural. The Ways to Wealth dot com. Thank you, RJ, for calling in. Uh, apologize about the audio. I just realized that now editing this. This uh, I think it recorded from my computer iMac microphone as opposed to my normal microphone. But either way, I hope it was helpful for you and I appreciate you and your time today. If you'd like to get coached by myself, much like how RJ did today, all you have to do to have a chance is to go to askpat.com and you can fill out the application there. You can also go to askpat.com to see the thousand plus other episodes in the archive to see if any are relevant to you. I wouldn't recommend going through all of them. I would pick and choose the ones that make sense for you. You can just scroll through the list of episodes that you have access to, find the ones that seem most interesting to you, and based on the title, I will be able to help you too. So thank you so much, I appreciate you. And again, check out RJ at thewaystowealth.com. Thanks so much, I appreciate you. And if you'd like to check out SPI Pro, our private membership community for existing business owners, ones who are serious about and are committed to growing their business. You can check it out at smartpassiveincome.com slash pro and you can apply and see if it's right for you. And we are rolling new members in nearly every single week now, which is really amazing. So smartpassiveincome.com slash pro. Thanks so much and I look forward to serving you next week. Uh, Until then, keep rocking it. Love you. Cheers. And as always, Team Flynn for the win. Hey there, thank you for listening to Ask Pat 2.0. Now, you might have noticed that we haven't published a new episode in a while, and that is because in 2023, after 1,269 episodes, we decided to sunset the show, for now at least. And this way, we can focus our energy and efforts on our other podcasts and other projects. That being said, all 1,269 episodes are still live and downloadable, and the published dates may be old, but there are still a ton of questions I've answered on the show and people I've coached. Those episodes are just as valuable as they were back then. So you can also visit smartpassiveincome.com slash askpat to dig through the archives. Plus, there's a search tool on the website that lets you search across our podcasts and blog. And of course, the Smart Passive Income podcast is still live and energetic and awesome and publishing twice a week. So make sure you're subscribed there so we can still continue this conversation. And we have some of the foremost experts and thought leaders in entrepreneurship on the show every single week. So you definitely don't want to miss it. Again, check it out. It's the Smart Passive Income podcast. Just find it wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can find it there as well. Thank you again for listening in and I'll catch you in the next one. Cheers.